Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Well, thank you for being a part of Metro Church Online. And a big thank you to everyone that's in the building, by the way. Uh, just give yourselves a big hand and say, hey, it's great to be here. That was not a big hand. Give yourselves a big hand. That's better. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. You know, the Bible tells us uh, about one of the exploits of Jesus is that one night in the middle of a storm, He comes down off a mountain and starts walking on the water to the disciples who are in a boat. And when the disciples see Him, they don't recognise Jesus. And it's sad to say a lot of Christians still don't recognise Jesus when He comes in the middle of a storm. That's another story. But Peter sees Him and cries out and said, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come to you. And Jesus says, come. And one guy jumps out of a boat. Now, this is not my message. So just stay in. This is just for you to chew on and think about. Because I think about one man out of 12 that was willing to get out of the boat, while 11 others said, I don't care if it's Jesus. I don't care how exciting it might be, I want to stay where it's safe. And so one man alone, and I've heard people talk about the fact that he sank. I go, yeah, but he walked for a while. He is the only one that came out of that with a testimony. He's the only human other than Jesus that could ever say, you know what, I walked on water and this is what it was like. So as we get ready, this is our last Sunday night before next Sunday morning and night and the Sunday after we begin receiving our commitments for what we call destiny offering here at Metro. I love it. I genuinely always am excited about it. Not because of the extraordinary generosity alone of the people of this church. That always blesses me in an amazing way. But I'm probably more excited about so many people that are jumping out of the boat, that are getting out of the place of safety, and over and above our normal giving. So this is a real faith offering. This is people saying over the next 10 months, it'll be this year, through to the end of June 2021, I'm going to hear from God right now. I'm going to make my commitment. And then over the next 10 months, I'm going to watch God work to bring that to pass. Over the years, I've watched, not only my wife and I, we've been a part of every single one. And we do exactly the same simple thing that we ask everyone to do every year. And I'm praying that this year, lots of you in Metro Church Online, for whom maybe you've never thought of doing anything as radical as this, but that you too will join with us and pray and say, Lord, what do you want me to give over the next 10 months? You can give it all in one lump sum. You can give it every month. You can do it however you want. It's a commitment by faith that you say, God, I believe you're speaking to me. I have heard of countless miracles that God has done. I'll next Sunday morning play you one of the stories of someone like that that I interviewed just this last week. I heard the Lord say this to me just last night. These are unusual times, but the spirit of faith, the spirit of vision and the spirit of commitment is unchanged. We're not looking at our world out there to tell us what God can do. 
we're listening to the Holy Spirit and saying, Lord, you can tell us what we can do. You'll be able to give your commitment in the building in one of those four services. There'll be opportunity for you to do that in a physical way. Many of you, though, will join with Rhonda and I. We'll be doing ours online next Sunday morning. And that's so safe and it's also so confidential. Only one member of our staff, Tisa, will be accessing those commitments that are made online. And uh, I won't know about those, neither will the staff generally. And so I want to encourage you as we invest into what I believe is one of our greatest years ever. I am so brimming over with excitement about the opportunities that God is bringing before us. And so I want to lead you just one more time as your pastor. I want to lead you in prayer. Rhonda and I are a part of this are all the time. We give significantly. We trust God every year that He'll speak to us. I would say almost every year we've had no possible way that we could see it coming to pass. And yet every year God's been faithful. So come on, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, You're the God of faith and You've never stopped seeking a people that will live by faith. You've never, Lord, decided to change Your methods and to go back to safety. You always ask us to get out of the boat, to trust You despite what we feel or what we see. Lord, I believe You're going to do exactly the same all over again. You're going to speak to the hearts of Your people. You're going to open our hearts to believe that You're able to do something extraordinary. Speak clearly. Let the faith that goes with Your voice find a place to reside in our hearts, I pray in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen and Amen. God bless you as you do that. And I'll look forward to the next couple of Sundays. Then on that Sunday the 16th, we're going to be celebrating the total amount committed you know, this year, significantly more, by the way, than what was committed. People went over and above just saying, I want to be a part of that. I want to do more. Anyway, it's going to be exciting, that's for sure. And uh, then on that night of the 16th, great night of worship. I really felt like we want to just kind of give a whole chunk of the night. If there's time to preach, I'll preach. If there's no time to preach, well, I'll be given an invitation to receive Jesus and people will respond to that. You know, right now, more people are coming to Christ than ever, I think, in the history of our church. Uh, people are saying yes to Jesus. People did this morning. I've got no doubt people will again tonight and during the week as well. I feel like there's a, a great wave, uh, a, a fresh sense of harvest that's coming over God's church. I don't think it's about COVID. I don't think it's because people all of a sudden, well, maybe they are just reassessing their life. But I believe it's because God is, is raising the tempo, is increasing that. And uh, I'm excited to be a part of what God is doing, all right? Psalm 30 verse 5 says this, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Tonight I want to speak to you on the joy that's coming towards you. Joy comes in the morning. There might be weeping. God doesn't hide the fact that difficulty and challenge can come our way. But He does say to us, though weeping might be your experience right now, He says joy is coming your way. But I want to talk to you about joy from a completely different perspective than the one that perhaps 
you're used to. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, verse 2. This is what it says. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Not just running with our head down. Verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I want to speak to you about the joy that you can have even though you're facing the cross. I want to speak to you about a joy that doesn't depend on whether the job offer came through, on whether the contract you tended for has been accepted, on how well things are going at home or how well the family life is going, how lonely or how surrounded by friends you may feel, how great your health is going. I believe that there's a joy that God can bring, like His peace that I spoke about a couple of weeks ago, someone said to me again this morning after the morning service, they said, thank you so much for that message on peace. I went back and listened to it again and again. And it so has enriched my life. Well, consider this like a part two, if you like. There was peace. Now there's joy. And that kind of joy that we're speaking about has got to be a lot more than an optimistic outlook. It's a lot more than just having a glass half full kind of mentality. Jesus never went to the cross going, gee, I hope this is going to be okay. Well, I hope God comes through. You know, I meet so many hopeful Christians. Nothing wrong with that. I talk to so many people who say, I hope God will help. I hope this is going to come to pass. But that's not really going to bring a joy that will endure for your life. That kind of joy will last as long as the thought resides inside of your heart and life. I want you to get this because I don't believe in a Christianity that involves pretending. I don't believe anything in the gospel requires you to deny the realities that you face. I don't believe anything in the good news of Jesus requires you to kind of bury your head in the sand and kind of go, well, you know, in the sweet by and by, someday yonder, when this life is over, I'll fly away and everything will be right. I don't believe in that. I believe in the kind of joy that even though you're facing the cross, there is a joy, the Bible calls it a joy unspeakable and full of glory. There is something otherworldly. And I don't use that in any mystical or bizarre sense. I use it in the full knowledge of somebody who has walked in difficulty and yet knows what it's like to be able to lift up your holy hands without wrath or doubting and say, God, you're there. And I know, I don't think, I don't wonder, I don't hope, I don't wish, but I know that this is going to come to pass. 
See, Job, that great example of suffering and endurance, said this. He said, I know my Redeemer lives and shall yet stand where? Upon the earth. He said, you know what? Though He slay me, yet will I trust Him. Can you imagine that? He said, my last breath will be one of trust in God. See, that's a different kind of a space, isn't it? I don't know about you, I've met a lot of Christians that suffer well, but I haven't met so many that joyful well, regardless of what's going on. This is a lot more than a hopeful perspective. And you say, where did that come from? How did Jesus have that? Well, it's because He was the Son of God. It just, you know, mm, you know all the halo pictures you've seen. But that would be doing a disservice to the way Jesus lived. Because Jesus never said, look, I'm special. He was. But you know what He said? He said, what I do, you're going to do as well. He never said, I've come to give you a third-rate version of what I live. He never said, if you're a Christian, well, it's going to be terrible, but don't worry, one day you'll die. You'll go to heaven and it'll all be over. My Bible says that He said, that I have come that you might have life, L-I-F-E, life. Not a momentary glimpse into something that's possible when you get there, but I'm come that you might have life. He had more than a hopeful perspective. Well, let me take you to this. Psalm 16 verse 8. It's speaking way back uh, in the time of the Psalms. So a long time before Jesus physically walked on the earth, but it's a prophetic Psalm about Him coming. I have set the Lord always before me because He's at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope for you, watch this, for you will not leave my soul in Sheol or in the place of the dead. That's literally what it is. Uh, King James Bible says in hell. You will not leave my soul in the place of the dead, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You know, I read a book, I think it was last year, written by a British forensic pathologist, the leading British forensic pathologist uh, for 20 years. Uh, did all the, he did 20,000 autopsies. A friend of mine, in Malaysia, is the number one uh, DNA-certified forensic pathologist for Malaysia. He's in our church in Klang. And a wonderful man. Hi, Pastor Putty, if you're listening to this. But, you know, these people tell me that when a, a person dies, when the breath leaves, corruption starts. Matter of fact, they can date how long you've been dead by the corruption that they can observe in your body, the breakdown of bodily tissue and things like that. So listen to this verse again. He says, you won't leave my soul in the place of the dead, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Jesus died and was not, uh, His body did not begin to break down at all. Now, medically, that's impossible. But he had a promise when he went to the cross. 
He had a promise that said, you know what? I go there with the certainty that God's going to look after me. I won't be able to control it. I won't have the power, the walker on water, the raiser of the dead, the healer of the sick, the stiller of the storms, the turner of the water into wine. At that moment, all of His power has diminished from Him. It's left Him. He willingly laid down His life so you and I could have it. He willingly, Pilate said to him, you know, don't you know who I am? I can take your life. And Jesus looked at him and said, no, you can't. There's a great verse in John, I think it's John 18, where Jesus spoke, this says, this he spoke about his death, which he should accomplish. I don't know anyone for whom death is an accomplishment. Most people are trying desperately to not have it. Isn't that so? Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go through the door. And yet the Bible says about Jesus that He accomplished it. Why? Because someone who was that filled with life and resurrection power, Jesus never said, look, I know how to resurrect. He said, I am the resurrection. I'm, I'm just about ready to jump off this stool. I might even preach standing on it in a minute. He, Jesus never said, you know, like, I know how to raise the dead. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. So when Jesus stood in front of Lazarus and when He got in front of Lazarus and said, come forth, when He spoke those words, resurrection power from out of the Son of God went out of His life and invaded behind the tomb door and went in there and a dead man got up and walked. Why? Because resurrection, I'll just stop. I'll just calm down, calm down. Don't run the aisles just yet. But resurrection invaded that space. Wow. Jesus had a lot more than a hopeful perspective. He had a sure promise. And here's the secret to joy. Joy is a confidence in God's promise to you. Joy is a confidence. Come on, that what He said. He's going to bring it to, come on. Come on, I know there are people and you're a part of this service and you think to yourself, you know what? That relationship breakdown, I'm never going to be happy again. But you've forgotten about the resurrection and the life. You say, I'm too old, it's too late, it's too final. You know, nobody wants me and my job, I've, you know, they say that I, I, I won't get a job. There aren't any in that field. But you're forgetting about the resurrection life of Jesus that wants to invade your space. No matter how dead you are, He wants to come into that space. Joy comes out of a confidence in the promise of God. Let me take you to a, another story that I think, well, gives us a window into how this works. Acts chapter 16, verse 22. Here's Paul and Silas, two apostles. They've been going around planting churches. It's been amazing. There they are in Philippi. But verse 22 says, Then the multitude rose up together against them. The magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. When they'd laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison. Watch this. Commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison. Like, you're not going close to the door. I'm getting you as far from the door and possible escape 
as you can have. And to make sure he fastened their feet in stocks. That means they bound their feet in place. They couldn't move. But whilst they couldn't move, they still had a voice. Then we go on, verse 25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. Who prays then? Somebody who's got a joy that doesn't depend on what's happening. That's who does it. Somebody who goes, you know what? I don't care what the devil said. I don't care what the boss is planning. I don't care what the government has said about the economy. I'm believing right now in the name of Jesus that God is the God of miracles. And so I'm gonna sing and I'm gonna praise and I'm gonna lift up my voice, not I'm gonna... Not like that, but out of a heart, God is on the throne. Why do we worship like we do? Because we can't help it. That's pretty much it. Well, we could, but we just don't want to. Amen. Uh, That scripture where it says that Jesus said, out of his, whoever follows me and believes in me, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Amen. Come on, Christianity, if you are a bored Christian, you're doing it wrong. Just, no, sorry, you just are. If you're bored, you're doing it wrong. Hello, come on. If you're bored, come to the prayer night online on Thursday night and start learning how to pray. Oh God, oh God, I got so many problems. Oh God, that's not how to pray. The Bible doesn't say, enter His gates with misery. Come into His courts with complaints. Huh? The Bible doesn't say that. It says, I will enter. We don't sing this song anymore, but I want to bring it back. I will enter His gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter. Did they sing this in Italy, did they? In praise, I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for He has made me glad. Oh, He has made me glad. He has made me glad. Some people are just tuned in and going, what on earth have I come to? This is church how it ought to be. Amen. Amen. Thank you down there, Sister Machero. Amen. Before I die, I want to go back to your hometown and go to church. Oh, yeah, I think it'd be just wild. It'd be just so much fun. Hey, where was I? I was reading the Bible. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Immediately all the doors were open. Everyone's chains were loosed and the keeper of the prison awakened from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. About to kill himself? What the? If somebody escapes from jail in our world, we just go, let's have an inquiry. That's terrible. But in Jesus' day, in the apostles' day, our jailer under Roman law, if a prisoner escaped, he was required to forfeit his life for the life of anyone who escaped. That's why the verse says that he was commanded to keep them in the inner, to look after them securely. Because this guy, see, we all read these verses and go, oh, what a wonderful miracle. Praise God. God delivers. Amen. But if you're the Philippian jailer, you don't think the earthquake is a gift from God. You think the devil is against your life. You think, oh, no, it's all finished. The way he sees 
the next chapter of this story is this. I don't know how they would have executed him, but well, that's what he saw. He sees the next chapter of this story as a dead Philippian jailer. Someone executed because the prisoners had escaped. Listen to me tonight. Your now is never the final word. I want to say it again. Your now is not the final word. Listen to me tonight. Because there's people, you're a part of the service. You think your culture is the final word. Your upbringing, your background, what you have learned or not learned. There are people that are part of this. I don't know who you are, but you lament the fact that there now you are as an adult and you wasted your school years. And you go, I don't have an education. Now I have no future. But you think your upbringing is the final word. This man thought his culture had the final say, you're executed, you're done. He thought his circumstances, the fact that there was an earthquake and for sure the prisoners would go. He thinks that's what's going on. He thinks other people have the final say. I meet people all the time that think that somebody else has power over their life. Somebody else has the final say. But your now is not the final word. Joy declares it's not over yet. Joy declares, you know what? This is only what it looks like right now. This is the end. This is where I'm stopped right now. This is what's happening where I am right now. But joy declares it's not over yet. You know, I, I was thinking about this and started thinking about, uh, I don't know where the idea came from, but I remember reading somewhere or other about movies and the fact that they often film alternate endings. Now, I've got to be honest, I haven't watched one of these movies and I know some of you are going to think you are just so not with it, Jeff. Like, hello, Pride and Prejudice. I've never watched it. I've never read the book. I think it's, a, it's not a rom-com, is it? Because that would be a comedy. It's not meant to be a comedy, is it? Oh, nobody knows. Well, anyway. Do you know how it originally ended? Let me tell you. Yeah. This is Pride and Prejudice. You'd think a classic period adaptation would have a relatively straightforward testing process, but it wasn't to be. As in Jane Austen's novel, the UK cut of Joey Wright's film adaption ends when Elizabeth Bennet, played by Kira Knightley, accepts a proposal from Mr Darcy, Matthew McFadden. A new final scene showing the couple enjoying a peaceful evening after their wedding was cut after British test audiences found it unintentionally hilarious. All the actors that had filmed it thought they knew how the movie ended until they did a test screening and went, uh-uh, not going to fly. Here's one, Pastor Bruce. Oh, you're a Trekkie, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I put this one in just for all you Trekkie people. Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan. I've never seen that either, but anyway. How did it originally end? In a now classic twist, Spock heroically plays out his solution to the Kobayashi Maru and dies of radiation poisoning in order to save the crew of the Enterprise. But spoilers got out during production and Star Trek fans embarked upon a letter-writing campaign to Paramount and the filmmakers, urging them to consider because nobody wanted Spock to die. This case prefigured the more recent petitions to alter certain other TV shows and movies in line with what the loudest fans want 
and proved just as pointless then as it invariably does today. But when general test audiences found the ending too depressing, producer Harvey Bennett made modifications that gave them a little wiggle room to resurrect Spock down the line, including the final shot of his coffin landing on the Genesis planet. Because these people, they always just lift their plots out of the Bible. Resurrection, Genesis, what do they want? Leonard Nimoy, who plays Spock, is that right? Reportedly didn't know about these changes until seeing the film. He thought he'd had no more career. He thought, put away the pointy ears, it's all finished. But when the producer made a change, he would eventually return for several more sequels as well as the Kelvin Universe reboots. I've no, I'm reading that, I have no idea what that means. Let me give you another one. Here's Rocky. How many people have seen Rocky? That's the eye of the togan. Dun, dun, is that? Dun, 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 dun. No, that's Chariots of Fire. Oh, I don't know how it goes. This one I find the most hilarious of all. Stallone, that's Sylvester Stallone, isn't it? Stallone's original screenplay, listen to this, had Rocky accepting money to throw the fight against Apollo Creed, who would have been Jamaican, by the way. Rocky then, get this, Rocky then uses the cash to help Adrian open a pet store. Huh? You know, is it up there, that picture? There he is. Can you imagine Rocky? I'd I'd like a chihuahua, please. But see, somebody else had a different idea about the way it ought to. Here's one more. Here's one for all of you people that love Princess Diaries. Huh? Do I get a witness in the building? Anyone love Princess Diaries? Yeah. I have no idea what it's about, but anyway, it's about something. That. Would you have been disappointed if you hadn't seen the fabulous castle the new Princess Mia was headed off to live in? Gary Marshall's granddaughter was. When he showed his five-year-old granddaughter the film, she was upset that it just ended with Mia agreeing to become a princess. She said, Granddad, I really want to see the castle. Show me what Mia's fabulous new life will be. So Marshall convinced Disney to buy some footage of a European castle to which they digitally added the Genovian flag. Marshall said it made his granddaughter much happier. What's that got to do with all this? Well, see, there's a director who chooses the ending. It's not up to circumstance. It's not up to the environment. It's not up to background. I don't know who you are, but there's people watching this and you've been thinking, should I try and making some changes, career and study? I don't know who you are. But you've been thinking about it and tonight is for you to hear from the Holy Spirit that God wants to write a different ending. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, I read it to you at the start. Let us lay aside every weight, sin which so easily stands us, run with endurance. Verse 2 says, 
We skipped over this and I want to come back. Looking unto Jesus, the what? The author and the finisher. There's somebody who's writing your story. There's somebody who's choosing the ending. He's the author and the finisher. He doesn't write it like someone else did in these movie things. And then along comes a producer and goes, no, I want to change it. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's writing my story. The seasons that I'm in aren't writing my story. The economy's not writing my story. What's happening in our world today is not writing the vision of Metro Church. This is what we could do. Maybe we could try this. We full steam ahead saying, God, we believe you're the one who's writing our end. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 tells me that God's already decided what the ending of your story and mine looks like. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for peace and not of evil. To give you a future. Why? Because he's already the one writing it. One more verse. Psalm 45 verse 1. I've known this verse almost since I first became a Christian. Psalm 45 1 says, My tongue is as the pen of a ready writer. You see, Jesus is the author, but I'm a co-author. I get to write some of my story. And I've decided that I'm not going to write something different to the one he's predicted. If he says I've got a good end, I'm going to write the same. I've got a great end in Jesus' name. My days are going to get better and stronger, not weaker and less. The future of our church is amazing and strong in the name of Jesus. You and I can have joy. Why? Because there's somebody else choosing how it ends in the name of Jesus. Amen. What a wonderful person. I want to pray with people in this place and as a part of Metro Church Online. I'm going to pray for you in a minute. People that go, you know what? I needed to hear that tonight. I needed to hear that my days are not over. Some of you, you think it's the end of the book, but there's a sequel. The resurrection and the life is writing you a new story. You know, this morning, so many people said yes to Jesus. Last week, so many people said yes to Jesus. I was thinking about that this afternoon because some people will think it's because a speaker is good with words or there was an emotional moment. But John 6 verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me unless the Father draws them. So if you're a part of this service and you are thinking about God like you've not thought of Him before, there's a part of you that's going, I'd like to know God. Guess what? That's not you responding to some message or words. That is the Heavenly Father at work in your life. He's there. And that's why you feel like you do. That's why there's this part of you right now that goes, I want to say yes. Regardless of religion, regardless of background, regardless of whether you've grown up with church or God or none of it at all, the thing inside of you now that's saying, come on, this is for you. That thing right there, that's the Heavenly Father at work saying, I'm drawing you. I'm bringing you to Jesus. Before I pray with people generally, 
Can I pray for those of you right now? Heavenly Father, for people wherever they are, I know there are people right now. Some of them, it's going to be during the week and they're going to be a part of Metro Church Online on a Wednesday or a Tuesday. And Thursday morning or Friday morning early, a yes text is going to come in. We're all going to think, well, they took their time, but Lord, it's because they were watching on Wednesday. They were a part of the service Thursday night. And something in that service, they felt the Father say, come on, it's your time. Say yes. Thank you for them. Lord, we're going to help them as best we know how to grow and to know you because life with you is not a set of rules in religion. It's a relationship with Jesus, your son. Thank you for that, Lord. If you want to say yes to Jesus, it's so easy to send why yes, yes, to 0488826392. It's up there for you on the screen. If you're in Australia, you can use that mobile number. If you're outside of Australia or you'd like to get help, discipleship help online, then you go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. And as you do that, the next morning you do that, after that, we'll send you a scripture and a prayer. It's a different one every day. You get that for 30 days. You can opt in after the 30 days for more 10-day series. There's 52 series. So you can have Jesus walking with you every day for the next 550 days. That's amazing. Every day getting a Scripture, especially like it comes from us. It's not from anywhere else. And if you send us your details, if you send us that text, we don't do anything else with it. I explained this to someone just this week. I said, the only thing we ever do is write and let you know when a water baptism is coming up. Or when there's a join the family time, we'll have to do some of them online. But I pray that you will give your yes to Jesus. Now, before Pastor Bruce comes, I just know tonight, this message is not a message just for, you know, something to fill the data banks. This is something for many of you here in this place that have felt like a stirring in your heart. You know, the enemy, he keeps wanting to tell you it's over. He really does. It's too late. Jairus' servant came and said, it's too late. Peter began to sink and cried out, saying, Lord, save me. Mark 9, the man with the tormented son, I brought him to your disciples. They couldn't do anything. The wine's run out, Mary said to Jesus. It almost seems like the Bible is full of too late kind of stories. But God's writing the next chapter, not the enemy, not your circumstance. Don't believe that whisper to your mind that says it's not going to happen. You might as well give up. Because I'm here to tell you tonight in the name of Jesus that God the Holy Spirit wants you to help Him write a new end to your story. Come on, we're going to pray. If that's you, just lift your hands to God wherever you are. Hold them out before God. There are people here and I just know whether you're in the building or not, I know because the Holy Spirit is telling me there are people with broken relationships, with dead ones, they're empty and you think to yourself, you know what? It's all over. The devil keeps telling you, you might as well just give up, you know. Accept the fact 
But I know that God is saying, come on, I want to write a new story, a new ending for you. There's some of you here and, you know, you're at a dead end in your career. It's not going anywhere. The enemy says, look, just press cruise. Coast out your last few years. And I hear the Lord saying, come on, now like never before, wait on God and let fresh vision and revelation come to your life. Father, we pray tonight in Jesus' name that You will do what none of us can do. We can hope, but only You can insert a promise into our heart and mind. Oh yes, Lord, I know You are. I know You are. I know that I know. I'd love You to email me, info at metrochurch.org.au. I know there are people, put it on chat, send us your prayer request. I know there are people, particularly in the area of, of relationships where, you know, it's like the enemy's just saying, give up. And I hear the Lord saying, no, come on. Let's write a new chapter. Father, help them tonight, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 It's been such a joy to be with you. Don't forget, all of our messages stay up on YouTube. So, you know, you never feel like, well, I... I missed my opportunity. Some of you need to hear it again and again. Do that, won't you?